We doing well? Take your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians. Yeah, just anywhere. And there it's again. Pretty well going to cover the whole thing. I'd head toward chapter 14. Uh, that's really where I'm going to focus, but I'm going to summarize some of it. It's great to have David and Elizabeth with us this morning, Rogers. Congratulations, guys. Uh, Columbus? Corinth. I was going to miss it. I knew it began with a C, but uh, there, he's going to be a, what's the term? I always forget it. Operator for Chick-fil-A. And so we're so proud of them. It's so proud to see sons and daughters of our church, which I believe Dave and Elizabeth are um, launching out. I had the privilege, I told my, I had the privilege this past week of driving my daughter to New Jersey to start a new job there. Um, Newark, do you know, Newark is not Alabama or Mississippi. Did y'all know that? <clears throat> it's not. So I told Annalise I'd give her a shout out uh, this morning. She said she'd be watching. We're praying for her as she takes a three-month traveling nurse position. Pray for our family. Uh, we're spread out all over the country. I don't even know where my kids are right now, but uh, they're somewhere. Hopefully they're watching church or going to church, even more importantly. I have a mixed history with prophecy, um, just to be honest. Uh, I never even... You know, I, I knew there were prophets in the Old Testament when I was growing up, but I never thought about spiritual gifts and the gift of prophecy. I mean, I read the Bible and saw it in there, but it never really connected with me. Honestly, it never connected with me. I was in seminary, and I had started going to a church called Anchor Church, which is where I met Kathy, and we fell in love. And it was more of, it was kind of like us. It was a spirit-filled Baptist church, but it was the first experiential place that I'd been that said, we fully embrace all the gifts of the Spirit. We believe that all the gifts of the Spirit were available today. So I, w I was in. I mean, I bought it. I, I still do, by the way. Um, I, I bought it. And um, so our, our pastor, Jack Taylor, who knew everybody because he traveled everywhere, was a pretty well-known author. And he said, um, Next weekend, we're going to have this prophetic meeting. I had no idea what that even looked like or was. And we're going to have this guy come in, and um, he's been around for a long time, a guy named Paul Kane. He's going to come in, and he's going to speak and prophesy. And so I said, great. I never heard of Paul Kane. I don't know that anybody at that point had really knew of him. He had just gotten reengaged in ministry after a time away, came in. I can't even explain to you what happened. I, I Really, I can't. It, it, it just was beyond, you know, it's one of those kind of things where you're just like, I, I had no grid to put it against. I had no, I, it was just unbelievable. But I do know this, God was glorified. The body of Christ was strengthened. People's lives were changed. It started me on a journey of meeting bunch of different prophetic guys from John Paul Jackson to Bob Jones. Bob used to do this thing where you put your hand on his and, oh, I feel the ring finger. I, it, it, was, it was really strange. And with a five-fold ministry, he'd be prophesying over you. And I'm, you know, I'm just like, you know, sitting there. <laughs> I had no idea. Again, it was, it's, it's unexplainable almost to the point of feeling ridiculous, except that I know people's lives were changed forever. The body of Christ was strengthened. It was built up. It's made me realize over the years that God works in ways that I can't explain. God works outside the parameters of my life. I remember going to a meeting with John Paul Jackson back when we were like two years old as a church and we were looking at a facility, and now, just a little disclosure, John Paul Jackson knows my family, but he didn't even know I was there. He didn't know me. He, he just knew my dad and my brother. He, he, he was in connect with them, and he's another prophetic guy. I'm just throwing names around like you know who I'm talking about. Some of you do, some of you don't. But John Paul, uh, he just said, hey, you two, call me and Kathy out at this meeting and said, I think God is doing something. Um, talked about um, 
you're preparing a table for four, and God wants you to prepare a table for eight. And he, did, he had no way of knowing, I mean, he could be general, but he had no way of knowing that we as a church were looking at a facility and trying to decide where to move. And the facility we were looking at, uh, really, we, his prophetic word changed what we looked for. We said, okay, let's, let's say this is of God. Then we should look for a building twice the size that we were looking for, which God then opened the door and provided for us. We had never even looked for this other building. We were looking at a certain size because that's who we were if we had not received this prophetic word. So what I'm saying is prophetically, God has spoken to me personally and he's spoken to me corporately, us corporately. A lot of things that have happened. So it breaks my heart really to see over the last couple of years what I would consider prophecy falling on such hard times. And I'll just be honest with you. The linking of prophecy with political movements has really damaged not the political movement, but the prophecy. We're in an account by Michael Brown who talked about a young man who received the prophetic, read all the prophetic words about Trump's election and he's the only believer in his family, went back to his family, said, hey, Trump is going to get reelected. All these prophetic people are saying this. Then, as you know, Trump didn't get reelected. And now he doesn't really even know how to have a conversation about spiritual things with his family. I could just go down the list of prophetic words I've read over the last year that either spoke about the COVID was going to end by Pentecost. They should have specified which Pentecost um, that, you know, they made it think the next one to, to, to all sorts of things. And I, I'm speaking now negatively, but I, I want you to know that it's only because I believe it is so needed within the body of Christ and Satan is going to do everything he can to discredit this wonderful gift that God has given by tying it to things that aren't necessarily what I would call, and I'll just call it out, I don't think it's biblical. It doesn't match the biblical description of what I see in prophecy in the longest description of prophecy in the body of Christ, which is 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. You may be saying, wow, he's going, going on a long time, because I'm, I'm passionate about this. I believe we need the gift of prophecy. Part of the tr truth is we need to understand what the gift of prophecy is about. I thought Cindy did a great job a couple of months ago when she spoke at our um, I don't, Thursday night meeting where she talked about the gift of prophecy and gave some real guidelines. I'm sorry, I don't think it was recorded. That's why you have to come to some meetings. And um, <clears throat> I'm going to review some of the things she said, but look at others from 1 Corinthians. Now, I'm gonna, I could talk hours about this, literally. Uh, because this passage in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 is so critical. Uh, I, I just want to give a little thought to you as we look at it. Most people, when they think of prophecy, they think of predicting the future. Like, I'm, I'm casting out, I'm telling you what's going to happen. But really, there's so much of prophecy that's simply a definition of hearing from God and speaking to others what you hear from God. It may or may not have to do with the future. As a matter of fact, nowhere in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, or 14 does it say prophecy is predicting the future. Really, even in the Old Testament prophets, they did a lot of projection in the future. Most of their word was hearing from God, speaking to the people of God about repenting and returning to God. Only a small part of it is predictive. It's there, but it's not the bulk of it. We've made it the bulk of it because we're so enamored. Look, if you're so enamored with predicting the future, you just go read a horoscope. It's about that. I don't want to be ugly, but I'm just saying that's not what God wants to do in your life. God wants you to be in a vital, living, dynamic relationship with him right now. I found that God really seldom says, here, are, here is the end 
where you're going to be headed. More likely, God is saying, with a nudge, here's your next step. In faith, take the next one. And sometimes prophecy can be as much as just kicking you in the rear and moving you forward a step so that you start the journey. Because for, face it, if God had said to me back when I was in seminary, back at that first Paul Kane meeting that I went to, if Paul Kane had st- stood me up in the middle of that meeting and said, hey you, you're going to marry that girl next to you. You're going to move to Birmingham, Alabama. You're going to have five children. You're going to start a church. You're going to pastor that church for 30 years. Here's what God has for your life. I would have said, I am out of here. I mean, there's no way. I couldn't have handled it. I could not have done it. Five children. First of all, (laughs) Lord have mercy. I would have been like, what is wrong here? I wasn't even sure she liked me at that meeting. <laughs> you can't handle the truth kind of thing. <laughs> you know, really, you, can't hand, you can barely handle the next step. But God is wanting to move you in that next step. How do you get that next step? Sometimes, many times, there is a prophetic God speaks to somebody else on your behalf to help move you forward. We need it. And let's look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. Now, let me set this up, and I'm going to try and do this quickly, but um, I love this passage. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. And here's what happens. Here's the context. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, 1, this to the church. Now, about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. That's the setup in 1 Corinthians 12. Remember 10 and 11, I, I read a little bit to you about communion. Remember the church in Corinth was a church that was way out of whack. They were out of order with any number of things. We could just go down the list and I don't have time to get into all of them. But one of the things they were out of order in was their understanding of spiritual gifts and worship. They became enamored with particularly, it seems like, the gift of tongues. They were an early Pentecostal church. And they came so enamored with it that they thought that tongues was like the, the language of the angels. And that if you evidently spoke in tongues, you were on a super spiritual plane. And then you spoke with the tongues of angels. Now, Paul sets it up in 1 Corinthians 12 with this verse. Now, about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You can tell when I have a lot to say. I just start talking faster and faster like you can hear quicker. Uh, but just hang with me. The implication here is what? They're ignorant. Yeah, this is Paul's nice way of saying, you idiots, you don't understand spiritual gifts. So I'm going to explain to you. And that's what he does in 1 Corinthians 12. Now, I don't have time to teach all of 1 Corinthians 12, but it's about the body of Christ, elevating certain gifts over another rather than celebrating all the gifts. But he says to them basically this. Um, eagerly desire the greater gifts, and now I will show you the most excellent way. This is the end of chapter 12. So in 12, he unfolds and unpacks spiritual gifts, right? You with me? He's telling them just an overview. It's not a total, complete teaching on spiritual gifts, but it's enough that he considers they will no longer be ignoramuses at the end of it. So he does that in chapter 12. And really what he's going to do, he's setting this whole thing up where he's going to say, let's take your spiritual gift, your favorite spiritual gift, tongues, this whole tongues of angels thing, and let's compare it to my favorite spiritual gift, the gift of prophecy. You with me? So he said, let's just compare these two spiritual gifts and which is the most excellent way which has the most benefit for people. Understand, Paul is not downplaying tongues. He's just trying to get the church in Corinth in order. And in there, he then inserts, I'm going to show you the most excellent way. You know what follows next? Come on, you do. Think about it. 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 
13, the whole chapter on love. In this discussion of spiritual gifts, Paul inserts this chapter on the most excellent way, the way of love. Everything has to be covered in love. Everything has to be surrounded in love. And he even says to them, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, what am I? So, yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not making anything clear. So he's, he seems to be, and by the way, I'm, I've stolen this whole thing that I'm just telling you by a commentary by Gordon Fee on 1 Corinthians, which I consider the best commentary ever written on this book. He, he outlines this in very extensive fashion and has impacted my life with his discussion of spiritual gifts. So I want to give credit because anybody who's read 1 Corinthians, uh, that commentary would say, he's stealing all that. Yeah, but I'm, in my own way, yeah, basically, yes. I didn't say I was an original thinker. I just am a reader. Uh, so anyway, he then unfolds this whole teaching on love and how it's incredibly important. And then 1 Corinthians 14, he comes back and says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. Now, I understand, and I, I'm going to just throw this out there just because this is important for who we are as a church. In 1 Corinthians 13, you remember he says, whether there, where there are tongues, they will. Where there's prophecy, it will. But the gift of love is going to last forever. So there's a certain segment of the church which talks about the perfect coming and that these supernatural gifts of Tongues and prophecy have faded away. And they have therefore, in some sense, and I can get corrected later, but in some sense they've, they've, they've established the perfect as Scripture in a way that says when the Scripture came, then these gifts of prophecy and tongues are no longer needed, though for these supernatural gifts have faded away. Now, for me, I interpret the, the, the perfect that is coming is the return of Jesus Christ. It's, it's, it's projecting to Christ's return, to say at that point when Christ returns, when the new heaven and new earth is established, these gifts will no longer be needed. But for us, for me personally, I believe those gifts have continued. So we call ourselves continuationist, meaning that we believe the gifts have continued on. They haven't ceased versus cessationists, which believe the gifts, certain supernatural gifts have ceased. And I'm telling you in two minutes what's much more complicated um, than, than this. But this is just the bottom line. I, I just want to let it make, it make it known that we believe these gifts still is, exist. Tongues, prophecy. But he, in chapter 14, he's going to outline how prophecy is used in public worship. How is it used in the setting? And I want to remind you just kind of, I'm going to skip down to like verse, I don't know, later in the chapter, verse 24. But I don't want to not get there for you. So I, here's what I want to remind you in worship. There's you and God, right? Here's me. Here's God. I have a, I didn't put the arrow horizontal. You'll see in a minute why. But it's, it's I mean, uh, vertical. So it's, there's this vertical relationship between me and God. I come to worship. I exalt God. I really, God empowers me to exalt him. I'm listening to God. I'm hearing from God. God is speaking to me. God is touching my life. And this, this should be a, a position for you every single moment of every single day of your life. You are a worshiping creature. Because of who you are in Christ, you have a relationship with the living God, amen? You can hear from him. He can hear. We believe God still speaks through his word and through people and through prayer and worship. And God is interacting with you and you're interacting with him. And then there's, there's you and God. There's me and God and then there's you and God. You and God are interacting. I believe you can hear from God. I believe in the priesthood of the believer. I believe that people are it's not just me as pastor, it's all of us are interacting with God. But then we come to public worship, and there's me and God, and you and God, and me and you. I mean, why have public worship? 
unless there's this horizontal dynamic that's taking place in which I'm hearing from God and maybe I'm hearing from God on behalf of you and you're hearing from God on behalf of me and we're worshiping together. And Paul in the first 20-something verses of this chapter talks about the idea of public worship and the, the God, what God is doing, but the me and you aspect as well. And he basically says this, and I'm summarizing again. Public worship needs to be intentional. There's a reason why we're coming together, an intent. I mean, why bother? TV talked about this a lot on Wednesday night, I think, at the first Wednesday service. He talked about the community of faith coming together. There's an intentionality about it. There's, there's something that happens when the body of Christ gathers together that cannot happen with you and God alone in your home. As good as that is, as good as it should be, it is not the same. So if you're watching online, come on back. Because there's something happening. It's good. You're hearing, you're worshiping, but it's still not the same. I told you I could talk on this a long time, and I'm not even to the first point yet. It needs to be intelligible. How can worship that's not understood be corporate? He's not saying, again, he talks a lot about tongues. But he's basically saying, look, worship needs to be intelligible. It needs to be understood. If there's going to be a me and you aspect, what good is it doing you if I understand it, but I've made it so unintelligible you can't understand it? It's one of the things we try and do in public worship. I, I try to put things in a way that's understandable for people when they come in. Not that there's not a mystery to it. I don't want to remove all the mystery or the, the, the dynamic of a creator God interacting with people. But at least in some ways, it should be some, in some form understandable. Going on, it, it should be inspirational. In other words, it should be filled with the power and presence of the Spirit. Worship that is not Spirit dynamic, it's just a human endeavor. That's not worship. I mean, that's just like a football game. That's just like uh, the Rotary Club. It's just like, I mean... A concert. You can feel stirred up at those things, right? But it's different. That's a human thing. This is a spiritual dynamic. Inspire means inspirare. It's, it's got the presence of the Spirit. It's breathed on by God. And when God breathes on something, it becomes a living creature. God's breath is instilled in us, the power of the Spirit. Okay, I'm going on. And it needs to be in, it needs to be in order. That's really what he's saying. Worship, it, it, it can't be chaos. I'm going to talk about that more in the second point. It needs to have some sort of order. Now, for some people, the word order means control. Like, oh, they're controlling me. That, I'll, I'll clarify this in a minute. So let's look at, you're like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Let's look at, yeah, let's look at what he says. A little bit about prophecy. And again, I'm going to, I'm just, this is an overarching sketch. This is not an in-depth. You want to know more? Come on Thursday night. Third Thursday every month, we're doing a prophetic prayer time. Come, be engaged in that. Let it, let it soak into you. But my, my deal this morning is trying to tell you and hopefully for you to buy in to who needs prophecy? We all do. We need it for the building up of the body of Christ. So, Here's what Paul says. He says, everyone participates. When the body of Christ gathers together, everyone participates. I'm down in verse, uh, what, 26. Verse 26, he says this. What then shall we say, brothers? When you come together, everyone has a hymn, a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. All of these must be done for the strengthening of the church. Everybody participates. Now, here's the reality. The bigger a gathering grows, the less likely it is that everyone literally participates. I mean, really. Think about it. If every single person here had a 
tongue, or the interpretation of prophetic word, a song, we, we would never get out of here. And as a matter of fact, I would say that by next week, the size of the group would, would, would grow in half. You know what I mean? People are like, I, I just can't give my entire day to that. It was good, but, you know, I got, I got other things to do. So as a group grows, it becomes harder for everyone to literally do these things. But it, I, I think it should be saying you should be willing to. You should, come, you should come to worship every Sunday morning saying, God, if you want to use me today, if you want to speak through me today, not just to me, but through me, to the body of Christ, use me as an instrument of righteousness in your hands. Do you, do you pray that when you go to church? Or do you just say, you know, man, I'm glad, I'm glad the time changed. I got an extra hour of sleep. Hopefully, Pastor Bart doesn't go on too long. That prayer will not be answered today. Um, hopefully, the church, you know, I, well, what do you pray? Or you just feel like it's your duty or obligation or I've checked that off my list? Or do you say, God, use me today to some way? Maybe you're going to just speak to me not where I'm going to give it publicly, but maybe there's someone you want me to go pray for. Maybe there's someone you even want me to just go hug. Uh, you know, you... You may, unless you're TV, you're probably not going to step up to someone and sing them a song. You know what I mean? You might not. Or, you, you know, but I tell you where you can do all of these things every time is in your small group. In your small group. That's why we love small group ministry. You can go to small group and everybody in a gathering of 15 people can have a word, a tongue, an interpretation, a prophetic word, a, a, a song, because it's smaller. You're not, it's a dynamic. And really, the church in Corinth was probably meeting in houses more than corporate gatherings like this. It's more intended as a house church instruction. We in America, we think all church looks like this, but it didn't for a long, long time. But in the process, Paul is saying, hey, when you come together, everyone has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, which is probably a, a prophetic word. A tongue or an interpretation, all these must be done for the strengthening of the church. Now, by the way, I'm just going to put my shot into cessationist. If you're a cessationist, then half of the things on this list no longer even operate. Therefore, church is easy. You know what I mean? No such thing as revelation or tongue or an interpretation. Therefore, all i got to worry about is hymn and word of instruction. And is that not what church is boiled down to in most places? We need the dynamic of interaction within the body of Christ in a spirit-filled way. You can participate in these ways. Enter in to worship yourself. Enter in yourself. Worship. This is passionate for me. I'm sorry. But worship is not a spectator sport. Worship is what you engage in every Sunday morning. Worship is not a noun. Worship is a verb. It is an action that you participate in. So when you come to worship, everyone, get engaged in worship. Get engaged. But it'll help if you've worshipped all week. If this is like your kickoff, like, I don't really want to worship, but I'm going to go to worship, and by prayer, I'll be blessed in worship. Maybe about halfway through, I'll get into it. Look, if everyone's worshiping all throughout the week, then we gather as the body of Christ. It should be an explosion of worshipers coming together and gathering. This shouldn't be your one dependent time to worship. Do it all the time and then come together. But come entering in yourself. Ask God if he's desiring to speak through you. Like I said earlier, ask him. He may say no. No, not today. More likely, he'll probably say something, but you've got to at least be willing to ask the question. Are you willing to, God, is there anything you want to say? And I know some of you are like me. You're more introverted. I mean, uh, he's not introverted. Really, I, I, I am. But so it's not like you want God to say, <laughs> go talk to someone. You'd rather say, no, 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 don't do anything. But ask God. And then if he does say something to you, it's going to take a step of faith. Step of faith.
to, to... Now, there are a lot of logistical things I just don't have time to get into, but, you know, don't go up to someone you don't know and say, God said to tell you this. I mean, it might be a little off-putting, but what you could do is say, look, I was praying this morning, and I felt like God was speaking to me to come to you and say this. If it, if it resonates with you, great. If it doesn't, I mean, you can set it up in a way that's not like, thus saith the Lord. Just think about it a little bit. It'll, you know, I've never thought that God told me to disconnect my brain from hearing from him. You know what I mean? Like they're apart from each other. So use, use the gifts God has given you, all of them, including you know, your experience and intelligence to work through some of this. Then he says, when we gather, I'm sorry, just hang on with me. Gordon Fee says this, and I told you I was borrowing freely from him today. He says, as the aim of prophecy is the growth of the church corporately, which also involves the growth of its individual members. So here's what he's saying. He, Gordon Fee is the one who, who really impacted me on God the spirit and the people of God, that God is not looking a person after a person for his own name, but a people after his name. He's looking for us. But he's also saying, look, prophecy, the, the corporate grows when the individuals are strengthened and grow. So prophecy is both corporate and individual. But everyone needs to participate. The second point is this. He said, do everything in order. I'm going to come back to this, just moving through it quickly, but it's, it's important. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two, or at the most three, should speak one at a time, and someone must interpret. If there's no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and God. He's already talked about tongues builds up the person who's speaking it, not the group. Hello? Tongue. Interpreted tongues, though, builds up the whole group. So he's saying... That's why we need an interpreter. If, if, if God gives you a tongue, speak it one at a time. And then have someone interpret. If there's no one to interpret, don't speak it. You might be like, wait a minute. How do I know if someone's going to interpret if I don't speak? Well, you're going to have to listen to the Lord. You gotta, again, you've got to be so dynamically in tune with him. And then... The thing that used to bother me, by the way, on tongues, and this is not a sermon on tongues, it's on prophecy, but part of me used to bother me was a person would speak the tongue and then they would interpret. And I'm like, why not go straight to the interpretation? Why not skip the tongue part? But God works in mysterious ways. I'm not downing it. I, I got over that. That was my first response for a long time was like thinking like, well, we could have skipped at least a minute or two of this. If you'd have just gone straight to the interpretation. But sometimes people don't know until they speak it, and then God gives them the interpretation. So grace is warranted here. But he's saying, he's really his, his teaching here is this. Don't get things out of order. goes on to prophecy. Two or three prophets should speak, and the others should weigh carefully what is said. And if a revelation, a prophetic word, comes to someone who is sitting down, the first speaker should stop. For you can all prophesy in turn so that if so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. He goes on and says, The spirit of the prophets are subject to the control of the prophets, for God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. Let me just say this too. He's not saying... Some of us have interpreted order to mean controlled or boring. That's not what he's saying. He is, I think, on the spectrum. He's saying there's over-controlled, manipulated, and there's out of control. And he is speaking to a church that's out of control. So what he's doing is he's laying down some guidelines for the church in Corinth to bring them back from being out of control to being in control. In order, really, is the best way to put it. Now, I'll just go ahead and throw this out there, and you can worry about it later. Um, but some people have said, is this instruction he's given the church at Corinth for every single church in every different period across all history? Or is he specifically speaking to a church that's totally out of control and trying to bring them in line? In other words, is he speaking to like a child 
who, who needs extra discipline in order not to you know, run off the road, but you wouldn't give that same instruction to every single child because they're not in that ditch kind of thing. You can worry about that later. I, I, I don't know. Yes. He speak, I think there is some general instructions that apply to everybody within this, but he's also trying to get this church back in order uh, in certain ways in which they are out of order. Here's the purpose that he's giving for prophecy in this entire teaching in 12, 13, and 14. Prophecy is given to edify, to build up. Prophecy is given to exhort a calling near to God and prophecy is given to comfort, to bring consolation. Notice that nowhere in this chapter, 12, 13, or 14, is he saying, prophecy is given so you'll know the future. I mean, it could be part of these three things, but that's not really, we believe God still speaks. He speaks to us, and he uses us to then speak to others. Here's some questions you can ask yourself. As you go to give a word, does it glorify God rather than the speaker, church, or denomination? Who's this glorifying? By the way, the implication is it should glorify God, right? It shouldn't be building up an organization or a speaker. Oh, please listen to me. I'm, I'm sorry I'm going to get to preaching again. But if all it does is build up the person speaking it, then there is something wrong. Back up. Back up. Because that's not what prophecy in any of this is given for. It is not to make a name for a person. And I can honestly say I've been to meetings where I left and saying the only person who got glory in that meeting was the person speaking. And if there is, there's something wrong. It should be glorifying God. Does it accord with Scripture? No prophetic word will fall outside of the dictates of Scripture. Just write it down if somebody says, I heard from God, a prophet spoke to me, and I'm supposed to leave my wife and go over here and marry this other woman, no, no, he didn't. How do, how do I know? Well, I just know. Why? Because it's contrary to his word. It's running contrary to scripture. And you may say, oh, that's ridiculous. No one would ever come to you and say it. Oh, yes, they have. <laughs> and I could ease. Sometimes I don't know. And I say, I don't know. I don't know if God told you to take this job in Atlanta. I'll pray about it. If he speaks to me, I'll let you know. But if it falls outside of the dictates of Scripture, I can tell you, he didn't, he didn't say. Where am I? Does it build up the church? Prophecy is given for the building up of the body of Christ. Again, these are just normal. Is it spoken in love? Again, Paul is saying it. it's, it's got to, everything we do has to be done in love. Does the speaker submit him or herself to the judgment and consensus of others in spiritual humility? If you find a rogue prophet who submitted to no one, don't listen to him. I'll just say that in general. I mean, Paul, in all of this, is talking about submission to the body of Christ. There's been a big move in the last year since all of this stuff happened, and there's a whole prophetic group that has written instructions to say, Here's some things that need to take place within the general prophetic. Now, I don't agree with every single thing they wrote, but I agree with a lot of it. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that there are people out. Anybody can put something on YouTube. Anybody. And the next thing you know, millions of people are watching it. But who is this, who is this person submitted to? Who is this word submitted to? Is the speaker in control of him or herself? Is there a reasonable amount of instruction or does the message seem excessive in detail? Everything in order. We have had here in the past at times people who prophesied, which is great. Now you may know, notice, even this morning, Cindy received a word. She came over to me. Now it was really inconvenient for Cindy to waltz all the way across. She didn't waltz, but she walked all the way across to say to me, I think God has given me a word. Now, why did she do that? She did it because we want things to be done in an order that 
we can weave it within the context. She knew I knew what was going on. Now, Cindy could have just started shouting, Thus saith the Lord, and given the word, right? But we want it to be in order. We want it to be, and honestly, I've had people who have been a part of fullness who said, look, when God speaks to me, I just got to shout it out. And I always said, no, you don't. No, you don't. You, you're not out of control. How do I know? Because Paul says it. Hey, if one of you is speaking and someone else gets a word, then sit down. Well, what does that mean? That means I'm in control enough to be able to sit down and to give the floor to the other person speaking. There's, you're not out of control. It's not a prophetic thing that I just go off on. That could be that God really, there's a passion about it. But in your home group, it may operate different. But in public worship in this size, the only thing we ask is whoever's in charge of the service, just come share with them. They'll find a way to work. We believe in it. We want to do it. But we want to do it in a way that's understandable to all. Okay, third point, last point, and I'm, I think you understand that I've lost Wi-Fi control. Just go to the next point. Thank you. I've lost all of it. Can you go back to point three? Can you find it? Okay. Oh, there it is. Well, it's on my screen. Point three, every act in humility. Excellent. Thank you. Every act in humility. Next, and then the scripture that goes with it is this. Did the word of God originate with you? I love Paul. Don't you? In a nice way. Oh, did, are you the one who made this? Or are you the only people it has reached? If anybody thinks he's a prophet or spiritually gifted, let him acknowledge that what I'm writing to you is the Lord's command. If he ignores this, he himself will be ignored. Why is Paul saying this? This seems really harsh. Because there are people who are in the group who are so proud that they're saying, Paul can't hear from God, I hear from God. And Paul is saying, uh, really? You think the word of God originated with you? No, it didn't. He goes on and says this. Therefore, my brothers, next passage, please. Therefore, my brothers, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly manner. Fitting and orderly are two great words. Fitting and orderly really indicate a humility in all this. Fitting means with beauty. There's a beauty to it, not an ugliness or a, sometimes prophetic stuff seems to have an edge that's not really all that pretty. It's not supposed, it's supposed to be beautiful, fitting with beauty, orderly in a way that's understandable. There's to be a symmetry about it because it's glorifying who? It's glorifying God and it's building up the body of Christ. Here's a, a, just one more verse. What shall we say, brothers? When you come together, everyone has a hymn or a word or instruction, a revelation, a tongue or interpretation. All of these must be done for the strengthening of the church. Final thoughts here. As you start to try and hear from God, ask, is, is what I'm hearing from the Lord? Do you know, here's the, the difficulty. Sometimes we don't know. I have a thought, I have an impression, and that now I've got to figure out, is this from the Lord or is this just me? I ask this all the time. I'm very cautious. Why? Because I'm so stinking smart. I can figure things out. No, no. Go back to the humility point. That was supposed to be a joke. But there is the reasoning aspect. You can see and life experience gives you certain stuff and you can just... You can reason some things out. If you can reason it out, that doesn't mean it's a prophetic word. That's what I'm saying. Ask, is this from the Lord? It's a reasonable question. You, and then ask, maybe this is for me. You know the me and God part? 
on the arrows? Is this just for me? Or is it for another individual? Is it supposed to be shared? Is it for the whole gathering? So, there may be a word I have for Chris. And so I go and share it with Chris, right? If it's from Chris, then there's no reason for me to get up in front of everybody and say, Chris, God gave me a word for you. I mean, I don't see the purpose. You may, it may be for other people. You understand? Are we still awake? <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Sorry. Uh, is it for now? Am I supposed to share it now? And do I have permission? What do you mean permission? Well, I mean that you are under the authority of this church. Do I have permission to share it within the corporate context? Again, you may say, well, that's pretty controlling. I take my role and responsibility, and our elders do too, of shepherding the spiritual health of this church very seriously. If some guy comes in off the street and says, God gave me a prophetic word for this body, odds are high that unless God speaks to me at that moment, that guy's not going to share it in the church. I'm going to want to weigh it. I'm going to look at it. Why? Because I want to protect. I'm not looking for God not to move. Maybe the guy is hearing from God, and I need to hear the guy is hearing from God. But there's a permission that comes. Do I have permission to share this? You might even go to someone and say, I think I've received a word from God. Can I share it with you? They could say, no. No, I don't, I don't want to hear it. And you just say, okay, I love you, bless you. I mean, don't say to them, you're going to miss God. You know, something like that. But instead, in love, and this is all done in the spirit of love, edification, fitting, orderly, building up the body of, building up of the body of Christ. Here's my point to us this morning, and I'm going to, I'm going to pray for us because I think God still wants to speak. And I, I'm trying to encourage you in this teaching, really, to say, how does God speak? And can I hear from God? And how do I hear from God? And then what do I do with it when I do? If you get a word for our whole body, by the way, like you get a dream or a vision or something, write it down. And then give it to me and the elders so that we can pray through it. We have a group of people who will look at these words and pray through them. And one thing that happens that you may not know about, let's say that God gives uh, Lucy a word, and, and then God gives TV a word, a dream, and, and God um, gives somebody else a word. They have no idea that maybe their dreams are identical, right? Maybe God is speaking, and if we get three identical dreams, we're going to step back and say, hmm, seems like God's doing something here. I mean, it doesn't take a prophet to know that, right? But it does, it does say to us, hey, God is speaking to some people about this issue. Maybe we've got a door open in our church that needs to be closed. Maybe there's a sin issue that we don't know about. Maybe there's a, an attack that's coming. Maybe the, 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 the financial provision God has given to our church needs to be taken care of because there are some days coming that we need. We don't know, but we know that God is speaking to you and we want, to, we want to hear what he's saying. So I'm going to pray. And then we're going to take up an offering. Seems abrupt, I know. But this teaching is one I want you to think about and pray about and work through. It's been hopefully more than an encouragement to you to say, how does God still speak in the days ahead? By the way, for some of you who actually opened your Bible and read through the whole thing, you noticed I skipped a couple of verses on women be silent in the church. Um, but I wasn't going to tackle, I didn't have time to tackle that this morning. I just want to acknowledge it's also in this chapter. Uh, and, but that's a whole different teaching and at a whole different time. For us, we believe God is speaking to all of you. So share what God is God has male and female, and even our children who are saved and filled with the Spirit. God is speaking to them as well. So let's hear from God together as the body of, the body of Christ. A couple of things I want you to be aware of before I pray, and then we're going to take up the offering, is we've got our fullness feast coming up. I'm so thrilled that um, in a couple of weeks we have our fullness feast. You need to sign up 
we furnish the meat and drinks, and then you furnish all the sides. So, but you need to sign up, let us know how much we're going to order of turkey or whatever it is, the meat that we're having. And then you need to sign up for dishes so we know that everything's, thank you, Craig, that everything is being taken, taken care of. Um, and Craig just took my announcements. Um, what else do I have? Thank you. Oh, I know what it is. Fullness. <laughs> Don't we hate Facebook? Except for Facebook Giving Tuesday, which is coming up on the 30th of November. If you want to participate in that again, we're going to, uh, the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. So we're going to take Facebook's money. Uh, so um, you, can, you can participate in that. We'll give you instructions on Giving Tuesday in, um, in, the, days of, in the days ahead. Do I have anything else? That's it. We're gonna, I'm going to pray for you, and then you're going to bring your offering or your connection cards or your prayer cards to the front. Lord, I, I thank you that you have instructed us. And I, Lord, I acknowledge that even right now, I, I, you know that when we teach, we generally have, try to move people to a point of decision about something. But I pray that the decision today will be a realization that you still speak and that you want to speak to us. You want to instruct us. You want to build us up. You want to encourage us. God, we are so grateful. I'm grateful I, I, I worship a God who's still engaged with his people and in this place. And I thank you for the people that you've brought together and this unique setting and situation and pray that God you would use us in the days ahead. Lord, speak to us. Just like Samuel, may we acknowledge, Lord, speak because your servants are listening. There'd be an aspect of our lives where the ears of our heart would be open to hear from you. Thank you, Lord. We bless you. We praise you. May the body of Christ be built up. And may the name of Jesus be glorified. May it cause people to come into this place and say, surely God is in your midst. Incarnational worship that draws people to the name of God may be a hallmark of this place. Thank you. Blessed be your name. Stand with me.